All right, everybody, welcome to Bomb City Locker Room Talk. And today we're bringing you episode three. As always, this is James Fairchild. Aaron Binion. Jared Scott. And I'm Joseph King. Do you guys want to talk about more COVID? No. Nobody does? I don't know, man. I'm tired of hearing No? Crap, All right, man. well, cool. done with it. Let's uh, grab your Teddy Ruxpin, put on that Rick Astley, <laughs> and get ready to watch the Ghostbusters because we're going back to the 80s. Oh, yes. You want to talk about the 80s? I'm down for yeah. the 80s. Yes, sir. And all of us were born in the 80s, exactly. right? Exactly. So it's, it's an easy introduction. What a, what a better way to you know, do a podcast and talk about the decade we all grew up in. Exactly. It was a great time. Mm. So, time. Aaron, when, when were you born? 86. 86? 86 for 86 Jared. For Jared. 88. 88, 87. So we're there towards the end of the decade. We didn't really grow up in the 80s, but we are some 80s babies. Well, um, and we got to grow up enjoying the good things that came from the 80s. You absolutely. know, we still got to experience them, them, experience them as we got to grow up. And I think all of our parents, like, kind of, like, you know, they all introduced us to that 80s culture as we were growing up because the 90s were getting... You look at, like, video footage of the 90s, the early 90s, and everybody still has those 80s haircuts. Yeah. yeah. Basketball players are still wearing tiny the shorts. The 80s decade definitely bleeded over into the 90s. For sure, for sure. And uh, they did a lot for just fashion and pop culture to begin with, the 80s culture did. That was really a huge turn-on for, like, MTV uh, and just for a lot of advancements, computer technology, a lot of advancements. And so the 80s were kind of a streamline into the future. I mean, MTV was, like, the the big, big thing in the 80s. Uh, I remember, well, I obviously don't remember because I was, you know, a sperm at the, <laughs> at the time when MTV launched. But at the same time, like that had such a big influence on, you know, pop culture and everything back then. I think that was like teenage to a lower level adulthood. That was like their, that was their source of everything as they were. Right. And the 1980s older. was like the birth of pop culture. Everything that we come to love as 90s kids was birthed in the 80s. And to make you feel super old, uh, today apparently is Kurt Loder's 75th birthday. Kurt Loder. Yeah, he used to be an MTV News. Yeah, I remember. Whatever him, they yeah. are, anchor. I don't, I don't know what they consider. They're they're calling D- him a VJ. A VJ. A VJ, yeah. yeah. He turned 75 today. Yeah, he did Tuesday the exclusive interviews Wednesday. and all kinds of stuff with artists and, and he actors. Was, and he was like one of the big time producers for MTV. I remember uh, when 9-11 broke, I watched a lot of the 9-11. I was like, 14 or 15 when 9-11 happened and I remember watching a lot of 9-11 coverage on MTV and Kurt Loder was like uh, you know that famous Chappelle joke where is Ja? <laughs> like Kurt Loder was trying to get a hold of Ja Rule to, to watch that Yeah, I, if you're going to watch 9-11 I mean think back Ja Rule who else would you go to? I gotta go with my girl J-Lo man you know always She'd be with Jaw Rule at that time. I think well, Fire Festival anytime I, mean, I hear Jaw Rule. I, got, I mean, they were a big part, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And it. then she went to like Ben Affleck or something, didn't she? Didn't she mess with the Affleck for a little bit? Yeah, she did. And, and then she batted around the whole of New York Yankees, and she's at the top of the batting order with A Rod now. I think yeah, so. Making a big yeah. money now. Anyway, back to the eighties. <laughs> yeah, Sidetrack. Sorry. Uh, what are you guys' favorite movie from the eighties? Everybody pick one. Go. I have Jared. to pick one. I have to pick one. Just go right now. Just uh, one. Number one would have to be Ghostbusters, 1984. I'm a huge Bill Murray fan. Great movie. Uh, you know, Harold Ramis, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie, Hudson, Ernie Winston, yeah. Ernie Hudson. That, that movie's great. Yeah. And, you know, uh, R.I.P. Harold Ramis. Yeah. Uh, the last movie I think I saw him when was uh, Orange County. Remember when he was, oh, the, yeah. he was like doped up on ecstasy? <laughs> Harold Ramis did a lot of great things. You know, he, he uh, I liked him as an actor. He was in another one of my favorite movies from the 80s, uh, Stripes. He was in Stripes, but his his writing and the work that he did with um, Ivan Reitman was just the mu- the movies and the culture that they created that, that you know, spin off of Saturday Night Live and the Chuck Lorre crowd. It, it was amazing work they did. I think my favorite part from that movie was when, uh, what is Dan Aykroyd's character's name? What is it? Ray. There's Bing- Ray. 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 Yes. Ray. Yeah. And they're sitting there and they're like, think of anything, anything. What is it? What did you think of Ray? He was like, it, it haunted my dreams as a child. <laughs> what is it? It's the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. <laughs> like, if you think yeah. J. Edgar Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover is going to show up. Which, if you think about it now, ironically, that does as much bullshit as we've went through in 2020. That absolutely seems like something that could happen. Like, next thing you know, we're going to turn on the TV and Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man is walking down Times Square. <laughs> yeah. Anything's your, possible yeah. at this point. And put yourself right. in that position. You know, you what if there was one thing, if you had to choose the, the version or the, the avatar of the traveler, like in Ghostbusters, what's the first thing that comes to your mind right now? Aaron. 
The green guy. Wasn't yeah, the green ghost. Oh, Slimer. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Sure. Slimer. Oh, you were going to go with the, the Spectre? I, yeah, the actual with the, yeah, cover? Like their the logo? Spectre, yeah. I can see the slime coming out, you know? I, I yeah. still, yeah. I'd say, when that. I think Ghostbusters, I think Slimer. What's And then that old ambulance that they had? The yeah. Ecto-1. Ecto-1. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what it was. It was a yeah, it was an old school. No, hearse. it was an ambulance, wasn't it? No, it was, it was an ambulance. Was it was an ambulance. It looks like a hearse. It's an old ambulance. Well, uh, that makes sense. That, you know, they, I'm as sure the paramedic the on the podcast, the first ambulances were hearses. But no, no, that was I'm pretty sure is an old school like 60s ambulance. Tech probably, out. you're probably right. I know, I may have but made yeah, that, that movie's got great one-liners. Um, it's got a great. It's really grown over the last you know 30 plus years. They have a new movie coming out that was supposed to be coming out Sup- next summer. And supposed Ghostbusters to Ghostbusters Afterlife, the one with Paul Rudd. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- like allegedly, that's supposed to have like Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd in it. So they're actually bringing. I think back they the did. I think original crew back. I think all of the original main cast members, with the exception of Rick awesome? Moranis, and, w- and wouldn't it be awesome if Harold uh, Harold uh, Ramis Harold Ramis Harold Ramis is a ghost in that movie? How awesome oh, I don't know if be? they. I don't know how they would do that, but that would be very cool. The hell if Star Wars can put Carrie Fisher up there yeah. and like oh, you know rest what I mean? in peace, yeah, exactly. rest in peace. Yeah. All right, Speak. moving on from mine. Oh no, I, we're, no, we're no, no. I mean, that. everybody. Yeah, yeah. Aaron, what's yeah. your favorite eighties movie? Man, dude, like this is the best movie, and I, I and I know I'm speaking very, very hard on this. I'm very biased. It was every kid's adventure right here. Is the Goonies, man. Like, oh, good oh, yeah. One. Good one. Yeah, I mean, good one. what is more exciting than finding a freaking treasure map and saying, dude, let's go and do this, and you do it with some of your best friends. And just, man, the ultimate I mean, spark of imagination. Yeah, for sure. like, that's yeah. like every dream is like, yeah, let's go be this pirate and find this ship, find well, the gold, and like that. That is something do it with your bros. Yeah. So I'm on the outside buddies. looking in, and I know a lot of people are going to hate on me for this. I've only seen the Goonies once. You know, it's okay. And but I saw it. I didn't see it like when, I, like you know, as a kid, you should experience that movie. I saw it late. I saw it as a teenager. My stepbrother, uh, Jeremy, was really into that movie, and he showed it to me. And it was like, I don't know, it was kind of boring to me. But I know it's a great movie because it's Harold Her- is one of the well, here, okay. best movies of all time. So here, here's the thing about the Goonies, you know. You, when you watch it on TV... You, you, you're like, okay, this is cool and everything. But I remember watching the original VHS tape. Right. Okay? One part that they do leave out in, in the movie on TV, that there's an octopus. They actually have to fight off an octopus. After they slide down into the where they find the ship and everything, it's funny because I don't know why they cut it out because it's one of the main parts because they even mentioned it whenever they get saved. Yeah, we fought an octopus and everybody's like, where the hell is the octopus? <laughs> like, and I'm like, why did they leave yeah. that off? I yeah, mean, some of the stuff they edit for time yeah. when they do a broadcast. Exactly. It's the dumbest stuff to edit. Like, edit out the commercials. I think everyone can agree, you know. Yeah. I, I, that's why we dropped cable, just to let you know that. But, I'm you know, like I say, you know, you got some great names. Like, you know, you got Sean Astin, you got Josh Brolin in here, you know. You know, yeah, and a lot. Of, yeah, that's like, that's the big one. A lot of people forget that. I think that was like Josh Brolin, one of his first movies. Yeah, I mean, if you look at him now, then you're like, whoa. Jack Cable, uh, I mean, is the yeah, skinny seriously. little kid. <laughs> you know, and of course, the annoying this, big this, brother that nobody liked yeah. when they watched that. And movie. then this is where you get the truffle shuffle. I mean, God, oh, y'all know who directed shuffle. that movie? Yes. Who was it? Steven Spielberg. Yes, sir. Right. One of the greats. One of the greats. James, what's one of your favorite eighty movies? My ultimate favorite, because I'm a big horror fan, is The Shining. A big what fan? Horror. Oh, horror. Horror. Okay. Completely opposite of where I thought we were going. <laughs> the I Shining, mean, I like too. The Shining. I like Jack Nicholson. I wasn't yeah. a big fan of The Shining. That came out in the 80s? Yeah. 1980, it came out. Nice, nice. I thought, I was, I always, for some reason, I thought it was a 70s film. But yeah, I mean. Oh, it's close I, enough. It's I, right I in there. I can't do it. I just, you know, too creepy? Just scary movies in general, man. I can't do it. I'm the biggest wuss when it comes to scary movies. It's, Especially eighty ones. I love it. It's it's one of the all time best and most scariest movie. movies ever. But The Shining, like hell no, man. That is yeah for that, sure. That right there, that haunts me. I mean, just like Freddy. Have you ever watched it? I'd watched with my eyes closed. You know? <laughs> I mean, I can't do it. See, I never really, I never really got scared from Freddy Krueger though. You know, you mentioned him. That that never really scared me. That to me was just seemed more blood and guts and everything. Whereas movies like Poltergeist and the shining, they, well, exorcist. they had a little bit more exorcist. Exorcist was creepy. But That's the, not an eighties movie. But, but the thing about the creepy. shining, you can go to that hotel. Yeah. Right. The Stanley hotel, the Stanley hotel. Yeah. They do like a Halloween ball every year and they have tons of tourists that come through there every year. It's, it's pretty cool. I've always that, wanted always to go visit 
my the Stanley game. Hotel. It's in Colorado, isn't is it? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was about to say and, it's relatively close. And I, we watched a sequel a few weeks ago, the Doctor Sleep one that came it's out last part, year. Colorado. It's pretty good. The sequel to it. It's like three hours long. The the progression of that, like I didn't. I mean, I watched it when I was like a very young teenager, and yeah, it was a freaky movie. And then you know, you grow up and you appreciate film for what it is as an adult. And the character progression of Jack Torrance in that film, Jack Nicholson's character, just seeing him. Uh, my favorite scene is when he's at the bar with the bartender. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that that comes up in Doctor Sleep, the sequel too. It's pretty cool. You should so check Doctor it out. Sleep is a sequel mm-hmm. to The Shining. And yeah, it came out last year. Out? It came out last year. Yeah, never. Oh, really? I have not even heard of that. Was there another book that? No, that he wrote or is it just just a movie made sequel? And this was, it was just a this movie was a made. Uh, uh, the, the writer by what the Stephen, Stephen King. King. Yeah, King, Stephen King, right? King. Yeah, he made that right. Yeah, yeah after the book. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, because uh, I don't know if it was necessarily right after, but before The Shining, Jack Nicholson had done One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which if you have not checked that out, it's not an eighties movie. That's a but creepy that movie. movie too. Is, it's such a great movie, and that's another movie. movie where he just gets to shine. I mean his 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 unique acting style. No pun intended. Shine. shine. <laughs> oh, that was, that was well done. Well done. My my favorite '80s movie. I'm a big John Hughes fan. Any any of those Hughes movies like Breakfast Clubs I, is up there. I love that movie. My favorite '80s movie of all time is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's another good one. Just that's it's a great one. That great. That's... And you can ask James to a T, especially my senior year of high school. That was me. I never went to class. <laughs> I skipped. I don't know probably every day we had an english class together and i was yeah I was, he was always in and out and was a big class clown made yeah, everyone I, laugh. I loved ferris bueller's day off um god that you have you everybody seen it right oh yeah oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. great I mean, yeah of course i mean who can, huge dick how can ferris bueller he was not a very nice guy when you look at that as an adult but <laughs> how can you plan a day just like that to perfection and you'd have to live <laughs> in like, a city like chicago yeah. to pull that off and like the best, the clueless principal that is like trying to track Ferris down the whole time is fantastic. I, I, there's a scene where he's in this pizzeria and he's trying to find Ferris and there's a Cubs game on <laughs> and the, the principal's looking at the game. He's looking at the TV uh-huh. and he goes, oh, what's the score? And he goes, nothing to nothing. And he goes, who's winning? <laughs> and you could tell the principal doesn't like watch sports or anything at all. And the, the cook for the pizza place just looks at him like he's stupid. And he goes, the Bears. <laughs> and then he does a sad little wind. <laughs> he he winds yeah. up and he throws the water toilet paper or whatever it is away, the napkin. It's a great, great movie. My, um, my favorite part is, though, whenever the kid has the, the tin co- uh, Coke can, he's trying to save are trying to raise money yeah. for his to save to save Ferris because he's sick. Sick, he's dying. Like, like it all <laughs> stimulated from this this kid it's calling like, in sick, and by the time his sister gets to school, they're they're like trying to raise money for this. Like he's dying uh, of cancer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, they stri- they send the stripper gram to his. Oh his gosh, house. I still have that. I watched that part so many times. Can you as a do kid. those? Are those things you can do? No. That was a thing, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure it was. Sure I mean, it was in the movie, so it's somewhere. We, and they don't I mean, lie. If it's in a movie, if it's in a movie, it's got to be real, right? Exactly. I, I think Star Wars is a documentary. So, <laughs> well, it did, it did take place a long Speaking time ago. Of you know, yeah. May the fourth was yesterday, or no, two days ago. Two days, May yeah. the May the fourth be with you. In my opinion, the best Star Wars film came in the '80s, The Empire Strikes Back. I think if none, of, even if you're not a big nerd, I think a lot of people have seen that. Well, yeah, that because film. It, gives, yeah. it gives off the biggest secret of the whole saga. I mean, when when Han confesses his love for no, no I know, I know, no, I, no. Am your I don't know if it's the best one of the series of the of the of the saga. I don't know if it's. I, I mean, no, I mean, it, but it, 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 no, but put fun. yourself in the shoes in a yeah. theater in nineteen. I think that came out. Can somebody? Nineteen eighty five. It was eighty. No, And then I came think Return of the Jedi was like eighty seven or something. Eighty three. Was it that early? It wasn't. Yeah, it, it was. was. Uh, but yeah, like put yourself in a theater in nineteen eighty, and you you saw that first film, and you've been waiting to see this, and Vader just comes out. and He's like, uh, a lot of people. There's a misconception. They think the line is. Luke, I am your father. That's not what he says. He says, no, I am your father. He doesn't ever say Luke, which... Yeah, I've heard that there's a big um, misconception with how it was actually worded. How it was delivered. And I think the script even says he was supposed to say that, but I think James Earl Jones, like, switched it up. But, yeah, like, 
I could, Aaron, I totally agree with you. Like it, being a kid and, and no. seeing that and like, you'd be like, what? It would probably blow your mind. And I, I, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's probably, it's my favorite Star Wars movie. But I would have like, with Jerry, like, I was going to say with you, Return of the Jedi, man. Like that right there is probably still one of the top Star Wars movies. That's the uh, second yeah. best Star Wars movie in my opinion, but a lot of people like it is. Everybody still likes yeah. the original. I mean, I don't. Blame oh yeah, the, oh, the whole, the whole always, trilogy. I, like, I Return think of the get... Jedi has the best story. Yeah. I mean, I you know what happens. It I mean, really does. I, I but... that that whole fight scene with the Emperor at the end, and then Vader throws Palpatine over over the thing. And spoilers if you haven't ever seen the Return of the Jedi. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm spoiling this movie that's over 20 years old. But yeah, I mean, shoot. Okay, real quick. Well, one question I do got to get to all of y'all with with the 80s going on. Just. One of your like secret favorite eighty movies that you you know you kind of like like yeah, I wouldn't admit you don't want to admit you know as a kid that's hard I, I would don't have to say admit. Oh. I mean I don't mind admitting it but I mean it's not my absolute top favorite but it is E T E T is one of my all time you know well, it's yeah, up there it's but it, great, great it brings back a lot Spielberg. of childhood memories Another whenever Spielberg I go back movie, and watch yeah. that one. I always thought that movie was boring. I don't know. I it just wasn't flashy enough, and so I never got into ET. I I respect it now. Obviously, Spielberg, great great film. Uh, I heard something that they were making a sequel, and it got shot down. Yeah, thank God. Like I'm I'm all for people leaving things alone. ET is canon in the Star Wars universe as well. I'm calling bullshit. No, on No, no, no. All right, where's where's my James? James, look that up if you don't mind. ET is canon in Star Wars because I can't remember. I think it was Episode. It was episode four or five in the in the Galactic Senate, and it pans over and in the side shot. Okay, I have seen that. I've seen that. Yeah, so they're canon. Well, do you know why? It was well. Is it canon? Spielberg helped produce it. It, it, Either way, they're showing up in the same universe. Him and George Lucas love each other. So, okay, so you're saying that just because it was there, it's considered canon. I would say, oh yeah, just because he's in the same universe. Okay, I mean, I can respect that. I do know what you're talking about, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's. I think it's Phantom Menace when they're showing I like all so. the Senate. It's one. It's it's either episode. It's either Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones. Which I, you know, aside from Hayden Christensen's really, really over the top bad acting, episode or Attack of the Clones, I thought was really good. Yeah, I liked Attack of the Clones. That I thought fun. it was really good. It was I, just I, a little too much for me. I yeah. think that's okay for you to say. I don't agree with it, but yeah. <laughs> My touche. My, my, my guilty pleasure '80s film. I don't know. Like I, so you know, growing up as a kid, like I loved like teenage ninja, teenage ninja mutant, teenage mutant ninja turtles, Good job, there you go. Good job. which we'll stuck which, with it. which we'll talk with about here in a bit anyway because it's '80s. I thought it came out in '90s. No, Teenage Mutant Ninja no, Turtles. No, the movie. The movie. I went movie. No, yeah. you're right. You're 89 right. was the first film. Oh. I'm pretty sure. I don't have that info in front of me, but I'm pretty sure the first film was '89. Um, but anyway, like the t- the cartoon and the the comic book were in the eighties. Nineteen ninety. Ninety was the first film. Well, the comic book and the the animated series yeah, were yeah, in the eighties. They started in the eighties, um, and that's what kind of started that craze. But I I never like had until I got a little bit older. I got into Spider Man and stuff. You know who my hero was when I was a little kid? Hmm. Indiana Jones. Harrison Ford. Oh yeah. Well like, done. He's my. He was my like. That was my Superman. And so, like, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, The Last Crusade, they all came out in the 80s. I loved Harrison Ford in the 80s. He was my, like, that was my idol. Like, I wanted to be Indiana Jones. He was just cool. He had the whip and the and the, the six-shooter pistol and, you know, beating the hell out of Nazis, which I think is all, always commendable, you know. Yeah, if anyone the, from the 80s, the, the you know, the action movie stars, something like that. Yeah, Rambo was cool and Arnold was cool, but I agree with you. Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford Harrison was Ford, the shit, He dude. pulled it off as yeah, an academic, yeah. too. I mean, you got you probably in some awesome parts. Yeah. Han Solo, and, and then you got the... And he's Han Solo. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you got some great parts. Yeah. Man, like, and, you know, he's 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 went on record saying he never really liked Han Solo as a character. He wanted to, George to kill him off in Empire Strikes Back, and he never did. And then finally he got his wish in uh, The Force Awakens. Um but Harrison Ford always said that his favorite role he's ever done was Indiana Jones. He just always loved the history behind it, which is the cool uh, thing about every Indiana Jones film, even the fourth one a lot of people don't like. I, as an Indiana Jones fan, I thought it was decent. Um, everything about it is based on some historical, factual evidence. Uh, the Crystal Skulls are actually a thing that he went after. I mean, the Ark of the Covenant may or may not exist uh the holy grail obviously exists 
even regardless of your religious beliefs or not, everybody can agree, you know, Christ was a real religious, uh, real historical figure. And yeah, Jared, I, I see you. But he, he did exist. <laughs> he did exist. And so, but yeah, like everything, that was the cool thing about Indiana Jones is it was all based in history. You know what I mean? I mean, there was a sci-fi, you know, super illogical effect of everything. But it was, it was uh, yeah, those are probably my... Uh, my Guilty pleasures. If I had to without pick the one. fantasy aspect, though, it probably wouldn't have sold as much. Oh, it absolutely not. Made as much absolutely money. not. Um, I would say, you know, my guilty pleasure when we and this is one thing that I don't know if y'all know. Uh, my dad was in Desert Storm, and so we were stationed in Germany from the summer of '88 to the summer of '91. <coughs> and so, family would send over movies, and like when movies would come on TV, they'd record it and everything. And so, I watched so many '80s movies growing up as a kid that I probably shouldn't have, you know, R-rated PG-13 ones. But you know, when you're you're stuck, and we lived above a in like a garage above a like an apartment above a garage or a barn or something, um, I would have to say my guilty pleasure one, the one that I still watch a lot now, um, is Fletch and uh, Coming to America. Coming, Coming to, to America is a great, great one. Great, great. That, Those two comedies are just man. They just they help Nights. shape my humor. And yes. I was going to say that could be a known topic about the '80s. How popular it was Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy, oh, yes, he Delirious, was killing it. Raw, Delirious, raw. I mean, I'm going to have to say, favorite. man, like all time stand up comedy is Eddie Murphy. Delirious, man. I mean, oh yeah, you, you got to watch it. Oh, yeah. If you if you don't lie, there's something wrong with you. He's just like, funny. God, it's that just was so funny. Delirious, man, like. Coming. It's on Netflix, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. they they both are. And uh, Eddie Murphy actually, um, he did. Uh, there's a show on Netflix you can watch. It started as a YouTube series with Jerry Seinfeld, the the goat, as many people would think in comedy. Uh, does a TV show called uh, Riding in Cars with comedians getting coffee, and Eddie did that. And he's actually going to. There's he signed a deal with. Uh, he did that. Do you guys remember Dolomite? That, yeah. That yeah. eccentric figure from I think it was in the 70s. He was in the a lot of movies in the 70s and everything. Eddie Murphy did a biopic on Dolomite. I, I think it's called I Am Dolomite. That's on Netflix. And uh, Eddie, apparently 2020 and 2021 are going to be huge for Eddie Murphy. He's coming out. He's got a, He's coming back and doing comedy for the first time since uh, Raw. I would pay good money to see Eddie Murphy Could you Murphy imagine, live? like, you're going, like, I'm, I'm a huge stand-up comedy fan. And to just, to just say, I'm going to see Eddie Murphy perform. Well, yeah, because he's we're still one of the great. I mean, one and, of the greatest. And, and that's what's crazy. And that's, he hasn't it, done it since then. Yeah, because I mean, here's the thing: if Richard Pryor was still around, I mean, that would be oh. amazing. But that's Eddie Murphy learned a lot from from Richard Pryor that he continues Absolutely. on. And man, it, it. I mean, you every every you gotta just laugh your ass. Every off decade about has it. had like one of those greats, and I, I think those 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 top tier the 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 four best in comedy outside of. Robin Williams and maybe Louis C.K., mm. the best four comedians to ever do it, are all African-American. You know, you have Pryor in the 70s, Eddie Murphy in the 80s, Chris Rock in the 90s, and now we are blessed with Dave Chappelle coming back out of and just killing exactly. it. And that, that makes yeah, me ask, you know, Dave else. Chappelle's newest special on Netflix was not very well received because he was Dave Chappelle. He was the raw that he needs to be. Will Eddie Murphy be the same, or will cancel culture try to take over and destroy so Eddie Murphy. the thing was is that that piece where I don't know what you're talking about when uh, uh, Dave Chappelle's uh, what was the name of that special that last special he did uh, Sticks and Stones yeah it yeah. did not get critically well received it got like ones on Rotten Tomatoes because all these critics like got their feelings hurt but it has a 99 uh, audience review it's hilarious which just shows me that critics are trying to silence comedians and the audience is like i don't give a shit this is hilarious i never pay attention to critics ratings and that's what i'm saying whatsoever like, it is it, one it, of it the best matter. of all time absolutely yeah. yeah but yeah like eddie murphy you know he he killed it in the 80s not only was he just doing great at stand-up i think he was like what was he james we used to watch a delirious all the time he was like 19 or something he was back 21 yeah 21 early 20s he was yeah. early yeah. I mean, young kid and he did like Be- beverly hills cop uh, it really opened the door up for him in his career. Beverly yeah. Hills Cop, one, two, and three, Beverly Hills all of them. Cop was a, apparently originally yes. written for Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, like, and yeah. then and then they decided to take, I guess, a different a different route. Thank to it and God everything. they did. I know because <laughs> not that Sylvester Stallone wouldn't have probably done a, a decent job, but it would have been more of an action movie. One, yeah, yeah, one of the movies I forgot, Trading Places. Trading Places oh, is great. great oh, movie. that is a problem. Great that movie. is a really oh, what, good. What's another Dan Aykroyd movie? Yeah, Dan Aykroyd. Well, but what, that just shows he, you know, ten years later from when when did Beverly Hills Cop come out? That came out in like eighty. I know the second one came out in like eighty five. 
And so that's the 10 years one, of still making good movies. 84. So he did, wait, 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 wait. 84 and then like two years later? 86? Yeah, he was, it, it was like, it was like a span of, when, when did you say Delirious came out? Delirious came out, I think it was 86. 82. 82? 82. Oh, yes. wow. So no, Delirious. 80, sorry, 83. 83, right? And then you have all those movies that you think of Eddie Murphy. He like was like just there was like a time. Did that man even sleep? He like he was like bam 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 bam. So well, you Eddie know, Murphy's just, is in some kind of theater that you would see back then at any time of the year. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know you yeah. talked about Pryor in the seventies, Murphy in the eighties, Chris Rock in the nineties, and then we switched to Dave Chappelle. Is Kevin Hart on track to be? No, oh, I, I like I like the immediate shake of the head. Let's hear it. My th- no. my thing is is Kevin Hart is funny. Don't get that don't get that twisted. Don't get it wrong that I don't I do I am not saying that Kevin Hart is not funny, but he is not in that. When I think of kings of comedy, and even like the kings of comedy, there are higher tier kings. There was a picture recently with uh, uh, Eddie Murphy, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, and Kevin Hart, and somebody was like, "Get Kevin Hart out of there." <laughs> and and I think I think he's funny. I'm not and I don't I'm not saying he's sold out. I just don't think he's. Chappelle, no, he's not. And his last special that I had watched was not very good. I was not impressed with it. No, you know who's funnier than Kevin Hart? No offense, Kevin Hart, Cat Williams. I disagree with that too. He fell the fuck off. Cat Williams was funny though. He's funny, but man, it just got annoying. It was like getting he was his that's the raspy voice. You know, it just kind of was like. And then he's like, "Oh, I'm a pimp." Man, you're, the, I'm, I'm but you're not. You, but you're, <laughs> and I mean, I'm five six, and I'm tired of you, bro. Come on, the, man, the, you know those first two like Pimp Chronicles or whatever. His first two specials that he had on HBO were really funny. They were, and then yeah. he just kept trying to grind. It, he was beating the hell out of that dead horse with that "I'm a pimp" thing, and it just it just kind of like it got old after a while, and he just started to decline yeah. pretty rapidly. Like I would put Bernie Mac ahead of. Both, oh, of, right. both no of those question. guys, no question. Steve Bernie Harvey, all time. But great. none of these guys are Chappelle or Eddie no, Murphy no. tier. And it's it's great to see that, like you know, it's it's kind of like the the basketball debate. You know, you knew it, you had uh, Magic in the '80s, and then Michael towards the end of the '80s, and we'll talk about that too. And you know, Michael in the '90s, and for the majority of the '90s, then you got Kobe in the 2000s, and then LeBron in the 2010s. We've been blessed to have a great presence every 10 years with one of these great minds. And, you know, it, it's just RIP to Richard Pryor, but thank you for what you did because we wouldn't have Dave Chappelle without right. Richard Pryor. Right. We wouldn't right. have Eddie Murphy. And they will it. say that too. Oh, oh yeah. They, they, they know that. To that. They, they know that. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Eddie Murphy. And I, I can't wait to look forward to what he's got. All right, James, have we heard from you? What's your eighties? Not, not, not your closet wonder, but what's your, your next favorite? The, the one that's a little less known. I would have to say Harlem Nights. Yes, Harlem oh. Nights was a great movie. Sticking with the Eddie Murphy trick too. It was a great, yep. great movie. And me and, and Joseph watched that Murphy together. He's the one that introduced me to that movie, and I remember just as a teenager watching that movie together, and we laughed harder than we ever laughed before. It has some great one-liners. It has great acting. It's just all around funny from beginning to end. Yeah, and just amazing cast. I don't know if you guys have seen Harlem Nights. Have y'all seen it? Yes, I have. I've seen it, but it's been a it's, long it's, time. You know, it's got Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, and then of course the the you know who Richard Pryor would call the goat, Red Fox from Sanford and Son. Yeah, exactly, right. amazing actor, and was definitely like, thank God we were able to get him. I think he died not too long after he filmed that movie, too. Um, and then uh, what's her name? Uh, she she was kind of a bigger woman. She was the. She was she, the one thing I remember. Della Reese, yeah, Della Della Reese. I was touched by an angel. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. But yeah, she was hilarious in that, and like it's a, it is a R-rated movie. Um, has Charlie Murphy in it. It has Arsenio Hall. <laughs> like it's it's that it's that typical '80s Eddie Murphy film you would think of. But yeah, right. I'm, and I'm it, it came out that. at the very end of the '80s, '89. But it's still one of my favorites. Those, the, it's cool to have those types of films that you can go back to. And I know this is a 70s film, but one of me and James's favorite movies of all time is, what is it, James? Animal House. Yes. Oh, yeah. It, like, That's an Ivan Reitman mo- movie, too. Yeah. Movies that just stand the test of time. You know what I mean? They, they don't, I, that was like the big thing with seeing It when it came out. Um, <laughs> I don't like these, I don't like when something is so good, you should, you know, you got to leave it alone, in my opinion. Well, I don't like remakes. Yeah, I, 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 about the it though. You go back and watch that 
you know, it came out what ninety, and it, no, that sucked. And it was made for TV. That came out on NBC in a like four point. I really did like series. the sequel, the first sequel that they came out with recently. What was it like four years ago, three or four years ago? It mm-hmm. wasn't bad. Yeah, the the first one was good. Yeah, the second one was really stupid. Yeah, yeah, the second one two. they tried to throw too much humor in it, and it, it just didn't fit the film. Yeah, I, I didn't feel yeah, like didn't it like didn't feel those. organic or natural, and it was just like forcing it to be funny and I didn't understand that at all that just goes to show how successful those young actors in the first one will be because it was they had funny moments and those kids are just natural at it oh, whereas sure. I, you know, yeah, I, can, I haven't first seen the second one great one, but with I the kids the adults having the ki- it, it reminded me of Stranger Things with the kids how, how well you know articulated they were with how they spoke to one another and how they just interacted it was really cool because it, it did give me flashbacks of watching Stranger Things as of recent you know, and kind of just going on more of these 80s films that, you know, we all kind of mentioned our favorite, but some of the most popular ones that we haven't talked about. Um, a little film with a guy named Michael Keaton called Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice? Beetlejuice? Nope. No, he's not no, here. He's not here. He's not here. But yeah, that, that was a great movie. Um, I think that was one of, uh, uh, what's her name? Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder, yes. That was one of her first films. That is an perfect example of a movie that should never be remade no that is such an amazing movie and if you think about it like beetlejuice was a comic book originally and then was turned into a television show i don't know if that movie came first i think that movie came first i think the movie came and then the the animated show when we were kids in the 90s um but the cool thing about that was that film uh like centered around Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis's characters. Right. And Beetlejuice really didn't have that He's much. He's an of ancillary a, character. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. It, but it worked. It worked because he was the, he was like the Deadpool of that movie. Like he gave the background. He was your, he was the comedy relief for that film. And it was, it was, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's up there. Now, is he just a spirit or was he like a, like a demon force? I could never, from the lore of Beetlejuice, from what I can remember of the cartoon, he was kind of like a Loki type. De- oh, okay, I, think like he, I think he was like a demon thing. Yeah, like that. That was like summoned, not necessarily from hell, but he was summoned to wreak havoc, kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah, that that any other eighties movies you guys? Yeah, I mean, y'all, y'all forgot one of the biggest ones. Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing is. Great. I mean, God, Pat, Patrick Swayze, man. Patrick I mean, Swayze, Roadhouse. Golly, like I mean. A good, a great actor. R.I.P. By the way. Yeah, rest in peace. Hell, hell of a freaking dancer. Like, I mean, the watching, gyration of his hips. Watching him, <laughs> no joke. I mean, I, I mean, watching him dance. I mean, it, sometimes I think, man, that I don't even think he actually like acted. That was the real him, knowing like trying to teach them how to dance and things like that. I mean, really. I mean, I, I mean. To this day, I want to see one of us try to try to pick up a, a, a woman and hold her up in the air like that. If you would like to see one of the, uh, one I've, of us I've do that, picked up women and held them email. up in the air, but I have the cops <laughs> called on me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but I mean, that's probably I mean. Like I said, when that movie comes out on TV, I'll watch it. I'll stop and watch. I don't care where it's at. I mean, it's a it's one of my guilty pleasures right there. Hell yeah! I mean, it, I love the movie. I mean, yeah. the soundtrack, the soundtrack. Yeah. I mean, is just man, they got some great songs. Footloose and see another one. You guys Footloose are, is another great soundtrack. You guys are all into movies and stuff. I'm more into the music side of the eighties. But the but the music came great with those movies. If those movies would not be good if the soundtracks were weren't good or great with them. Real quick before we talk about the best part of the eighties, uh, which I think we can all agree is the music. Uh, there is one more film you mentioned. Anytime it's on, you stop and watch. I have one more. Yes. And it's 1983's Brian De Palma's Al Pacino Scarface. Like yeah. I can watch that anytime that movie is on. And yeah. you know, I, I just that to me is one of the best mob movies of all time. It's not even oh, it's, it's definitely number one. Definitely. Like any, like any. You ask any rapper in the 90s <laughs> what's their favorite movie, and it's Scarface. Chichi get the yayo. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, jumping. James had talked about talked about the music. Um, and, you know, Aaron, you brought up a really good point that a lot of the 80s soundtracks were such great music. We have to talk about Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins. Kenny yeah. Loggins was an American song, singer and songwriter, and he did songs Gun, like, right? yeah, he did Danger Zone. Yep. Um, he did Footloose. He did Playing with the Boys. I mean, he did so many, so much music that came strictly from movies, yeah. but that made a huge and he, impact. And he wrote for like a bunch of 80s singers. I think he made some uh, 
uh, Rick Springfield songs. Like Kenny Loggins is, yeah, he's up there with uh, some of the best. Exactly, and to this day, I mean, they're played everywhere: radio, stadiums. Oh, yeah, you'll always hear parties. It I mean, yeah, I mean, Danger Zone is just. Yeah, I, I got a so pop great. quiz for you, real quick. What is the first music video that MTV ever showed? Uh, that was my buzzer. I know. Is it because I put it in our Google Doc? No, I remembered it because of the irony. <laughs> the irony around it. Well, it is "Video Killed the Radio Star" by the Buggles, one-hit wonder. That would be, yeah, that was the first video ever shown on MTV. Uh, very, very odd video, but video killed the radio star. Anyway. Oh, that was another wedding singer. I think the wedding singer opened up with that song. That was another great movie that took place in the 80s. Took place in the 80s. It was filmed in the 90s. Right. But yeah. Just had to throw that out there. Right. And you mentioned MTV. MTV was the catalyst for. Actually, actually, the wedding singer, the song was. You spin me right. Yeah, I think that that, that, op- yeah, that, that opened with. Oh, yeah, I was man. gonna say. Sorry, Bubba. Yeah. Was it at the end? I don't Somewhere. remember Somewhere that. I don't remember the... video right, killed the radio me, star being in the way. Let me look singer. it up. But anyway, yeah, MTV MTV killed it back in the day. Uh, they introduced all the artists we know today. You know, like freaking Cyndi Lauper, Michael Jackson. Who's that? Motley Crue <laughs> back in the eighties, the hair band days. You know. The 80s had a little bit of everything. The 80s pop, the 80s hip-hop, the new wave. Everything was good. And I'm I'm a huge fan of all 80s music. It doesn't matter what it is. And so is Joseph. We're, we go to watch the cassettes every chance we get. Every chance we can. If you guys haven't heard of the cassettes, they're one of the best local bands here in Amarillo, Texas. They're an 80s cover band. Uh, they usually perform at Hoots. Uh, man, I can't say enough good things about the cassettes because I love 80s music. Exactly. And the thing about it, you will stay there from the first song to the last song. They, start at, they start at 10 and, and you're, it, you're there till the end, man. And you are moving con- cons- constantly. And if you want to see some yes. drunk white people dance their asses mm. off and then try to go to work <laughs> yeah, and explain themselves the next day, go to, go to Hoots and watch oh, man, the cassettes yes. play. Yeah. They, they are definitely one of the best live bands locally that I've ever seen. And 80s They're music. Great. Everybody th- and, loves I, it. You know, I think they. It's easy to call them one of the best bands locally because we all love the '80s. But they actually, they all, every member of that band. Uh, Bobby's a great singer. They, uh, Roger McGallion plays the drums. They have uh, does good at singing as well. They have a great guitarist. I think every member of that band like does. They know. Oh their yeah, stuff. Gary they, Wayne is an absolute beast on the guitar. Oh, he's. I don't know why that guy's not in Hollywood, man. Like <laughs> he's, he, he he's can really shred good. it. But yeah. Um, God, what's y'all's favorite '80s song? All right, I thought hard about this. I can't. I can't even. Uh, it had to be. I know it had to be a ballad, because that's one thing that I really love about the '80s are the monster ballads. And not that this is necessarily a ballad band, but it's from Metallica. But from Ride the Lightning, Metallica's "Fade to Black." Okay. I listened to it, and it's just such it's a, a fun song. song. Didn't think to we were going to hear much sing. talk on Metallica, but a lot of people, yeah, forget that Metallica just, started in the '80s. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, they started in the '80s or the late '70s. I think they started in, like in the 79, early 80. It was 80s. No, it either, was 80s. Either I'm way, just the way sure that that song is constructed, it's just, you know, it seems like he's singing from a distance, and so you kind of hear it like this. It was it's late just 80s. so beautiful. When Metallica started, was it not? It was early mid. 80s. Was it early, mid? Um, but that's my, that would be my looking back. You know, it's hard to pick just one favorite 80s song, and so I tried to go with something a little different. And it says, you know, Metallica, one of the biggest acts in American history, were born... October twenty eighth, nineteen eighty one. Okay, I did. That's younger than I thought. But once again, I was born in eighty seven. So, right. Aaron, what about <laughs> you, man? What is your go to eighties <laughs> jam? You know, it's it's man. It, you, you mean I know I got you got Prince, you got Michael. I mean, you got Rick James. I mean, I'm know. Rick James, bitch. Yeah, Sorry, I mean, somebody had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got all these great famous names, man. But you know, being an eighty six, you know. I got to go with, I bet some people are like, man, who the hell are these dudes? And they're called Tears for Fear. You're going to steal my song, aren't no. you, you oh, asshole? Because that it is, is the best 80s song. It is. Everybody wants to rule the world. Like, come on, man. That yeah, is, yeah. That's the one I was going to pick. And that's like See, the only good, really, okay. like, that, that song is the only part that most people know about the song. But I've heard people that have heard that song and they've been like, oh, I didn't realize it was a song. And oh, that's I'll all they know is right yeah, We'll get copyrighted. Yes. I don't care. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. Serenade the, Tell, the, the lyrics. lyrics. What do you like about that song, Aaron? I mean, it's just a great song, man. I mean, it, great lyrics, you know. And it, I mean, it just stands out from the rest of all the, the great hits of the 80s. 
It's just different. That guitar it's, riff at the beginning. Yes. Like, yeah, the, the, the music itself is amazing. And then you throw in the, the lyrics and the content. It's fucking the best. Yeah, I love it's, it. It's one of the best songs. Yes, um, exactly. I appreciate you. Uh, yeah, you stole mine, but it's it's okay because I love that song. <laughs> I'm glad so much. we can share something like, together. That, yeah, we'll share more later. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that, that, that's one of the best. That's one of the best songs from the '80s for sure. Um, anytime I'm in a bad mood, that song just puts me in a good mood. It's great, great. <laughs> and that great was song. in you know one of my favorite song or movies from the '80s was Real Genius, and that song was in Real Genius with Val Kilmer. Did well, not know that. Yeah. Shout out to you, Val. He's shout always, out to you, Val Kilmer. He'll always be Batman to me. <laughs> the worst Batman. No, <laughs> Batman. no. George Clooney was the worst Batman. That movie was so campy. Yeah, it was. It was pretty bad. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, at the same time, you know, that while that song was coming out, one of the biggest groups, you know, that was coming out from Compton, NWA. NWA baby. Oh, yeah. You know, that yeah. was something that, you know, I know hip-hop, you know, rap wasn't on the, the board yet, but, man, NWA was going, right. you know, starting. It wasn't quite mainstream, but it was definitely oh, it was gaining there. traction. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, and a lot of people, I know that there's a lot of good classic 80s, but you got to remember the hip hop. The hip hop. Back in the day, I mean, that, that it's, you run DMC. The, yeah. the birth of real rap really yeah. started you know, in the got, 80s. I mean, LL Cool J, you know, Run DMC. Salt and Pepper. What does NWA stand Pepper, for? Yeah. Ice I'm just kidding. You don't have to answer Nobody, that. No, none of us. <laughs> Nobody's going to say that. Nobody. Public Enemy. Public Enemy was Public great. Enemy was got Fight with Flight. But yeah, Run DMC's It's Tricky. One of the best songs ever. Yeah. Eric Easily B. one of the best songs Eric ever. Eric B and Rakim. Yes. Oh, yes, wow. Um, what was, ah, man, the group the Tupac started in. Digital Underground. Digital Underground started in like 89, I think. Oh, yeah, wow. Really? In the 80s, yep. Yep. You know what? You can't forget about Ice-T. Ice-T. Oh, Ice-T, yeah. Ice-T. Of course. Yeah. How can we forget about him? Because he's a cop on, on the <laughs> you know, That's how <laughs> he's easy to kind of forget about. Before him. he was a cop, yeah. he was a real pimp. I don't know what <laughs> Cat, I don't know what was, Cat yeah. Williams was, but yeah. that was a real pimp. Cat Williams was a, what's that word called? Oh, an actor. That's yeah. What that is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I'm just kind of looking at some other, like. What's your favorite, Joseph? Favorite song? Well, like I said, Aaron took it. Well, you got you to think on your toes. I got to think on my toes. I'm going to go with Minute Work. Um, Colin Hay Down Under um, Okay uh, And then I also like I know Actually you know what I take that back I'm gonna go with another band Toto Because uh, Great choice I was gonna say great. Minute Work is like it, That's like liking the safety song Is your favorite song <laughs> No that's song. a good song they're, they're, Oh gosh They're great Great songs But not a favorite 80s song Not that kind of material <laughs> Yeah my sets play that one It's my, great My favorite song Like a lot of people Like Toto um, But my favorite song by Toto Is Hold the Line And Unfortunately, I just found out that that song came out in 78. I thought that was an 80s song. I think that still carries over. Because my close second was Renegade by Styx, and that came out in 79. And I think it was Rains in Africa came out in... Uh, that came out. That had to come out in the 80s. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's... <laughs> because that's of, just because of the, how massive like apartheid and everything was. And there was the other... Wasn't there another Africa song? Um, like song called Africa? Or is that the one you're referencing? Yeah, that's the one. Oh, I'm, okay. I, I Toto Africa, the Rains in oh, Africa. Okay. But yeah, I was... Awkward silence. Anyway, you know, but James, have you said your favorite? No, song? I have not. Let's hear James', Let's go, James. favorite song. My favorite song in the eighties. Poison. <laughs> Every rose has its thorn. <laughs> Hell no. Well, I thought you were doing poison. <laughs> the, the it is not <laughs> the only song he could sing. <laughs> the best artist ever, Prince. Oh, Purple Rain. Mm. Mm. Second best artist ever. I liked <laughs> Darling Nikki more than I liked Purple, Purple Rain. Rain that that could be a theme song for the eighties though. Like that, just that piano when it comes in and Prince getting all sexy on the mic. Yeah, like that's a great, great, great song. But you know, with Prince, you know, you just play his music and it just takes you to another world. It does. Like, it, it relaxes you. And, you, you. You go in another dimension. And, really, you know, his music, like I said, it, it's, I mean, it's like Michael. You put Michael Jackson. On you just, you just can't help it, man. You just take yourself away, man. It's all good. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Uh, what about some big moments from the eighties? Um, oh, I got one. What's up? My birth. Uh, yeah. No, Any, September eleventh, nineteen eighty-six. It's kind of a big deal. People knew about it. That whole town of Farwell. I was. I was born here. <laughs> I oh. lived in Farwell for like four or five years. I'm like, no, I was born. I was born Bruh. in Northwest Texas. <laughs> 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 Uh, um, yeah, the fall of the Berlin Wall. Yeah, yeah that was big. That was, that that was, was a big one. Um, Nancy Reagan and her uh, just say no. Just say no, which led to some of the biggest 
overly used drug addicts in the world, just and congregating and also parts of some would America. say the most overly, you know, people freaking out about a lot of nothing. Yeah, when you think about it, but one of the big moments back in the the eighties and eighty three, the final episode of Mash. Yeah, that's a big um, one. That was a lot of people love that show. And the, that's exactly. a great show. And a lot of people love that show. It was a really and didn't know, it like end unexpectedly? Like a lot of people didn't think it was gonna. Like I don't know if they announced that it was gonna end. I may have just pulled that out. I'm, I'm not. I'm not too sure, but you know, I've, I've heard about that. I mean, it was a big. The, I, I remember even my parents telling me whenever in uh, Dallas, if anybody remembers that show, Dallas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whenever Jr. got shot. They said the people were freaking crying, yeah. losing their yeah, mind. Yeah, they, they were going like, crazy about that show. I was like, okay. I mean, they're like, well, <laughs> wait until you get a Okay, boomer. I mean, <laughs> uh, Gosh. So stupid. Oh, man. You know, um, we another. Sit okay. there and watch Dawson's Creek. Do you guys realize <laughs> that we're slowly becoming like all those things that, you know, we're going to be that way with our kids, like how we were with our parents? For the most part, you know what oh, I mean. Yeah. Like starting everything that we form. like sucks. The oh, music's man. the music's boring. Oh yeah, I don't know. It's terrible. I don't know. I try not to have a very strong opinion about ten-year-old girl music, <laughs> but I just listen to my music. Speaking of music, I don't think <laughs> we can all live without a shout out to the Sony Walkman. Yes. I think we owe a lot to the Sony Walkman because, yeah. the, you know, the iPod, we, your phone. I, I use Spotify for music. I, the Sony Walkman kind of started that trend of music you don't have to listen to at your house or on a boombox anymore. Yeah. Take it with you. You can just on the walk go. around. Not really a CD player. CD players, you couldn't do more than like a fast jog without it skipping all the time. But actual Walkmans, tape, yeah. For that, sure. That yeah, was, that it was it changed the, the game for sure. And then into the 90s with the CD, it just, it was the original, you know. You can't go wrong with the Walkman. And I'd love to have one. I'd love to get my hands on one. One of the best moments that I know everybody got to experience if you're a big fan of Queen. Oh, um, Live Aid? Are you about Live to go? Aid. Yeah. That was the biggest thing in the 80s. And if you sat there and, and if you rewatch the performance of Queen, like, man, that seeing that many people in that arena and having that much control over a crowd, man, it's flipping awesome man like and those fans didn't realize what actually they were witnessing at that time exactly when we go back and look it's just phenomenal what type of concert it was what type of performance they they made and the thing about it is it was just it's just a group of musicians that said all right hey let's play a bunch of music we're gonna raise money and bam it turned into something that just now it's gonna be taught for forever and I've I've watched videos of that on YouTube and stuff, and I've seen it before the movie came out. But seeing Bohemian Rhapsody and just the uh, the performance that that those actors gave and everything, like I, I this might kind of sound kind of stupid, but it honestly did feel like I was watching something yeah. live happen. Before exactly. I, yeah, it was it great. Was... The actors did an amazing job in that movie. Yeah, that, that's 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 up there. Live Aid was great. Um, they they raised over 127 million dollars during that concert. That's a and that's a lot for back then. That's huge. Oh yeah. How, do do you have like I know you saw that number. Do you know how many people attended that thing? I'm looking at it. It was at the because they had it at the John F. Kennedy Center, and over a hundred thousand people were there to see it. However, they also um, broadcasted over television in an estimated audience of 1.9 billion people, or nearly 40% of the world's population tuned in. 40% of the world's population? That would have been roughly, for that time, 40% of the population. So what, what year was that? Uh, that was 1985, I think, right? So what, yeah. that was like 85 bears were like really badass then, right? Oh, yeah. See, look, look up, see if you can look up like the 80, 1985 Super Bowl and see how many people tuned into that. I bet it, I bet more people watched Live Aid than they, the Super Bowl. Well, they had well the Super Bowl at that time. I mean, they was it, it reaching like international audiences like yes, it does because today? it was one of the first ones where they were actually already making music videos claiming that they were going to win the Super Bowl. They did the Super Bowl yeah, shuffle. They were doing the Super Shuffle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, eighty-five. Yeah. And they did it and before the, the, the television broadcast of Live Aid reached more than one billion viewers in one hundred and ten countries. That's insane. Yeah. In eighty-five, more that's than, insane. Yeah, more than 40 of these nations held telethons for African famine relief during the broadcast. So it reached even more people through the uh, efforts to bring relief. You know, I, I don't think we can uh, 
talk about great things that happened in the 80s and without talking about some of the tragedy too i remember my mom uh telling me about what happened um when the challenger exploded uh, right after takeoff that was that was huge yes, yeah, yeah that, i remember does anybody remember the what was that year does anybody know it was 1986 86 yeah. you know and of course one of the biggest parts of it is uh school teacher uh, school teacher was involved in that explosion really in what capacity yeah i think it it it, it was like 73 seconds after takeoff or something like yeah. it hadn't even been in the air and like you know it, now that was at the kennedy center right yes. when, where it launched from so yeah. all those people watching just yeah. you know every single astronaut that was on that their whole family was there trying to be proud in that moment i couldn't imagine and it was broadcast live too yeah and yeah. So it, it was, was all over live yeah. tv so 73 seconds after its takeoff it killed all seven crew members including the civilian t- school teacher. Her name was Krista McAlphin. And did she... Y'all, she, might, have to, she, y'all she, might have to say the name on there. She was McAlphin. killed by de- debris, I'm assuming. I mean, or? just... Just when it blew up, that was it. Was she on she, the was, she was Oh, on, she, she was, was on, on it. Excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. No, I, did, I did not know that. I'm she sorry. was going to be one of the first, you know, like civilians to going to space. Oh, okay. So, and, you know, I mean, it's very and, and, you know, astronauts are trained to understand the capacity of what they're dealing with. What a tragedy that is to for somebody that's just kind of along for the ride. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, kind of something similar happened in January, not with a space shuttle, but you know, I think thirteen people passed away in a helicopter crash carrying Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and uh, some other children, and you know, just kids going to a basketball camp in general. That's the, what a what a horrible thing to happen. No, that day was crazy. I remember you calling me and and turning on the news. It was it was wild. I know it was really emotional for you being a huge Kobe fan. Yeah, we, we plan on, if you're listening out there um, and you're a big basketball fan, on August 24th, mark your calendars, that's Co- International Kobe Day, uh, we will be holding a uh, podcast in remembrance of the late, great Kobe Bryant, um, who was born in, not the 80s, he was born in 79, but <laughs> but still. <laughs> um, you know, and not to, uh, I, I just saw this today, and so I wanted to share, you know, we were talking about the Challenger explosion. Um and then we were also talking about 80s movies, and I'm pretty sure we said Top Gun. Well, Tom Cruise was in the news today because he said his next movie will be shooting, uh, he's going to shoot scenes from his next movie in space at the International Space Station. Oh, that's neat. What? Yeah. He will be traveling. The he, will be he will be in space. He will be I taking a that. rocket shuttle 250 miles up into space into geosynchronous orbit and will be filming on the ISS. That is literally insane. Has that ever been done? Has there ever been something? I don't think there's Hollywood ever been a civilian space. that has gone up to the International Space Station. Maybe a civilian scientist or anything, but not not an actor, I would imagine. Except Lance Bass wanted to, but I think he just wanted to ride a spaceship up. You know, you know, we talk about uh, we talked so much about Eddie Murphy being huge in the '80s. Tom Cruise was huge in the '80s. Yeah, uh, yes, one of was. my favorite '80s movies too. We, you know, I'll probably be up there with like you know we talked about the. Uh, our uh, guilty pleasure. It's just a great movie. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Cocktail or not. Yeah. Oh yeah. Such a great oh, movie. Yes. James, have you seen that? Yes. Where he's the bartender in I think it's Hawaii, right? And he meets his girlfriend. Yes. Because yes. he has he goes on a hiatus because he was a big time bartender in L.A. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that's that that's an amazing film. And then you know you had Top Gun. What else? Tom Cruise. You know, don't risky forget business. Risky business. Risky but, don't, business. but don't forget the Outsiders. Yeah. Outsiders, yes. yeah. Oh God, young. great book, Very great, better book than movie. Well, oh, yes, but man, I mean, they had that was an all star cast. Though. Yeah, they had some great pony great, boy. <laughs> you know, it's stay golden. Yeah, and then uh, um, we're talking about scary movies. Uh, Lost Boys. Yes, thank Lost you. Lost Boys. That's, yeah, I, I knew where yeah, your you eyes knew where were I was going. going. I knew yeah. where you were going. It was with like that. it was like the Outsiders, but with, the with were vampires in, right? and, and maggots in in your Chinese food. Yeah, the Corys. Well, you know, in that one too, Stand by Me. Yeah, Stand by Me was a great, movie. and that's another actor in the big in the eighties, uh, Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman, Feldman yeah. yeah, yeah, he was big. And then, uh, what was his name? River Phoenix was in that movie before his. Mm-hmm. What do you got, James? Uh, Pet Cemetery. Yeah, I've that, never seen Pet creepy. Cemetery. That was a creepy at that time. It was very creepy. I no, never seen. That Pet is Cemetery. such a good movie. Is it, it is a good. Scary what do you like movie. about it? Uh, the whole backstory of like the Indian burial ground and all that kind of stuff was pretty neat like and poltergeist yeah and it was it was just an awesome movie all the way around it it actually was one of those movies where it it grabbed you 
and when you watched it, it felt real. It didn't feel, you know, artificial or fabricated. It, it felt like an authentic type, you know, experience when you watched. You know what my favorite part of Pet Cemetery is? It gave us the greatest ancillary character in the history of South Park ever. The the farmer guy that's, ah, well, they built that on an ancient Indian burial ground, <laughs> and you shouldn't go down that road. That guy's from Pet Cemetery. <laughs> yeah, that's Seriously? the guy that's that, the, that the warns the guy that owns the house yeah. in Pet yeah. Cemetery. That's what South Park took that from. Oh, when wow. that episode where he's sitting there talking about like, wow, wow. yeah, you go down that road, and they ended up, they were fucking all your wives. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's for Pet Cemetery. <laughs> I didn't, sorry, I didn't know other, any other way to explain that. And the uh, cat is so freaky in that movie, too. It's crazy. You know, one of the biggest things going on today in 2020 is The Last Dance is one of the biggest documentaries. Um, and we do plan on doing a locker room hype episode about The Last Dance once all the 10 episodes air. Uh, but speaking of air, the 80s did give us himself, the GOAT, Mr. Air Jordan. That's right. And I think, you know, being a basketball fan and sports fan in general, I, I always grew up, football was always my first love. But, man, Michael Jordan, like, everybody loved Michael. Oh, we can all say that Michael Jordan was a staple in our childhood. People that didn't like sports watched. Exactly. Would, he was would, larger than life, you know. He was, he was the ultimate idol, if you want to call him that. I mean, he was just one of those he, he guys was, that he stood the test of time through the 80s and the 90s, and he was always huge. Wherever he went, he had a huge following. Before him, what did we have? Like maybe Muhammad Ali? And that was like 20 years, 20 to 30 years before Michael came in to maybe 20, 25 years before Michael came into the NBA. I can't think of it, that gap in between. I know a lot of people like Magic, but I don't think basketball was as popular until Michael Jordan came into the NBA. And it's because he brought something that, you know, the NBA up until that point was a lot of, uh, with the exception of people like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Will Chamberlain. Larry Bird. Uh, but that's what I was getting at is a lot of perimeter game. Uh, Three-point shooting. I get what you're saying. Shooting outside. It, Michael would take it to the hole and like just the dunks that he would perform, the flashiness of him. This this young kid out of North Carolina was just insane. And if you haven't had a chance to watch The Last Dance yet, even if you were not a sports fan at all, um, you have to at some point admit you've watched Michael Jordan in some capacity and just, just watching that and kind of getting an idea of everything that went down with that team is just, it's phenomenal. And seeing the rivalry between the Pistons and the Bulls. You know, I always knew he didn't like the Pistons. I didn't know he hated Zeke that much though. Like his hatred for Isaiah Thomas. Oh yeah. You can see it. He's that's why Isaiah Thomas didn't join the dream team, you know, for the Olympics. Yeah. And that's another big thing about the eighties. Uh, Dream well, no, no, that was the 90s. That was Excuse 90s. me, that was that 90s. 90s. That was 90s. Had a lot of people from the 80s, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes not, a lot of, not a lot of new rookies on that. Um, anybody have any more, like, songs? Anything y'all want to talk about as far as music-wise? I mean, wait, we haven't even talked about Michael Jackson. What are we doing? I mean, Michael mm-hmm. is the ultimate face of the, of the 80s because... He was the Michael Jordan music for yeah, exactly. he, yeah. he did it all. Ooh. I remember we had the uh, Michael Jackson Moonwalk VHS. And I remember even 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 now being able to see it and it was kind of a it had like the a couple of music videos like Smooth Criminal music video was on there the Beat It music video was on there I think. And then it showed concerts and people passing out at his concerts. Like young people passing out at his concerts or and being carried away on stretchers just cuz they were losing their minds like he was a phenom. I mean there's no other word around it. Like the Michael Jordan of music. He really was. Yeah. And anywhere he went, man, like it was, he was the new Beatles. Oh he, yeah. Everybody wanted a piece of Michael. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and his melodies were really good. Yeah. Too. His, his music was really but, good. But you know, if you, if the big spotlight of Michael in the eighties was the thriller. Thriller. Yeah. thriller. Oh, that, yes. and not just that song, no. but that entire album. The album. Yeah, the whole album The music was video, everything about Thriller. Was so what was just, all, it was, you had Billie Jean was on Thriller. Thriller, of course. What else was on that uh, album? Yeah, yeah Beat I It. I think Beat It was on there. Um, Bad wasn't on there. I don't, I think that was. That no, was Bad was its own bad, album. Its own album, yeah. But yeah, he, he would like, I don't think it can be said enough. Michael, The Michael Jordan of music, he was. You know, or Michael Jordan is the Michael Jackson of basketball. Like it's, 
it's synonymous interchangeable. With yeah. yeah. And even now going back and hearing his songs from the eighties, they just flow so well. His melodies mm-hmm. are just spot on and it, and they're fun songs to sing. I mean, yeah, they're pop, but, and that's what it's made for, but they're just fun songs to sing. What's y'all's favorite Michael Jackson song go? Man, that is that is. I'd have to say "Smooth Criminal." I really would, but just because I have that attachment to the music video as well, growing up and seeing it on that. I thought Alien Ant Farm did that first. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't a bad cover. I was actually pretty impressed with that cover. I have to go with "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough." I'd have to go with "Beat It." "Beat It" is one of my all-time favorites. Michael Jackson. Uh, You would, (laughs) of course. (laughs) Ah, man, I don't know, like. The music video too is fire. I think yeah, it's great. I think Pyt, pretty young thing. <laughs> That's a great song. Man. <laughs> I wanna love you. Pyt, pretty young thing. Yeah, it's, he didn't put mm. out a bad song. No, he didn't. He didn't. Him and Prince. I think they're artists. Um, one of the big things I wanted to talk about too, talking about the '80s. I looked up today. Can you guys think off the top of your head without looking it up? What is the most overplayed 80s song of all time? 80s song? Just a pure guess. A song. Pure guess. What do you think is the most overplayed Like 80s? overplayed on the radio or just, just over? The most played 80s song of all time. What's up? I got it. I bet you do. Journey, Don't Stop. Yes, me. sir. Yeah, that is go. actually number one. That is the most played song from the 80s. And that's why we, we made a Google Doc. And uh, I put all these artists in there. And I was putting... Uh, uh, their songs next to them, their most popular songs next to them. And then when it came time to Journey, I just put Journey, and pick one. <laughs> <laughs> All their songs are great. I love Journey. Yeah, Journey doesn't make a bad song. Steve Perry, in my opinion, uh, with the exception. I, in my personal opinion, I think the best voices of the 80s yes, are Steve Perry and... Uh, God, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank right now. Freddie um, Mercury. Freddie Mercury, yeah. Those are the two best voices of George the George Michael. George Michael's good. Um, Wham. Uh, yeah, Careless mean, Whisper. David Bowie. I'm a about, I'm a big uh, Daryl Hall and John Oates fan. Oh, oh Hall and Oates! Hall and Oates is Can, great. So I want to try something real quick great. while we're recording this podcast. I still have the number saved in my phone. And boy, why are you lying, boy? Let's, let's see if this still works. Uh, I'm gonna call Daryl Hall and John, no. So there's a phone number that I saw that I got given to me a while back, and it's called Colin Oates. And it's a hotline that you call and will uh, play Hall & Oates songs for, for, no, for no particular reason at all. We'll, let's see it. Let's Except for you it. calling Welcome them wanting to, to do it. Your emergency Hall & Oates helpline. <laughs> to hear one-on-one, please press one. Lisa, like you're from wait, London. Please press two. To hear Manita, please press three. <laughs> Man- Manita. Please press Private four. eyes. And my my favorite one, I think, uh, I think they change it, but yeah, like you just you hit Sorry, one. Sorry, I didn't get your response. You told you, me to you, play you private eyes. Press four. Yeah, press four. Error has occurred. Goodbye. Wow. I think I think it gives you one chance. But anyway, it's called Call and Oats. Uh, if anybody wants, if's having a bad day and you just want to hear some Call and Oats songs, call seven one nine two six six two eight three seven, and that is your emergency Call and Oats hotline. <laughs> But yeah, Hall & Oates is fantastic. Rich Girl is probably my favorite Hall & Oates song. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we all love the 80s. We're all big fans. We're all born in it. Um, there, We could spend hours and hours talking about Hall & Oates. Um, but one big thing is coming up this weekend. Uh, this weekend is a holiday. Sunday will be Mother's Day. So we wanted to give a shout out to all the moms out there. Thank you for yes. birthing us out of your wombs. And, you know, does anybody have anything they want to say about Mother's Day? I'll give a shout out to my mom, Catherine, who, you know, when, when my, um, I had mentioned earlier in the podcast that my dad was, uh, was stationed over in Germany and stationed, uh, during Desert Storm. And she looked after my two-year-old self and my brother's four-year-old self by herself. Um, she put up with a lot with my brother and I just because we were young boys. And so, you know, a mad shout out to her and all the opportunities that I have been given, because of her and then a, a, another shout out you know to my lovely wife and the mother of my children and you know you guys have all been in this situation there was a newfound respect that I had after my wife gave birth that I just 
it was a new appreciation and way of loving her. Like what right. she gave me and what she was able to do and create, uh, you know, with me, of course, but you know, she, she raised in her womb. It's, it's just, it's just amazing. I like to give a shout out to my mom. You know, she, uh, raised three boys, you know, and like, like Jared said, you know, my dad was out, uh, working on the railroad. Oh, a great song. You know, but he really was. <laughs> he was uh, always, you know, providing for the family. And also my mom was working a full-time job, too, in raising three boys, trying to get us to all of our sporting events and school while he was, you know, gone. And uh, she did a, a magnificent job, amazing job, you know, especially, you know, I know that we got some qualities of my dad, but I think my brothers and I, we got more, a lot more qualities from my mom. And uh, I just want to thank her for, you know, putting up with us, you know, especially through our teenage years and our, you know, our young adult years. But I know that we, she's proud of us and we're proud of her. And we just want to thank her for everything. We love you. Oh, yeah. 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 I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I want to give a shout out to my mom, uh, Jamie Lane. If you're listening to this, uh, sorry for all the bullshit I put you through. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I, I gave my mom gray hairs for sure. Yeah. Um, my wife, Brianna, uh, I could not raise these kids without you and I love you and hope you have a great mother's day. I want to give a shout out to Estella, my fiance. She's the ultimate mother. She does everything for our kids and she does everything for me. She's the staple of our home and she's the best mother you could ask for. So I just want to give a shout out to her and say, I love you and thank you. Happy mother's day to all you mothers out there. Uh, this is always, like always, has been the Bomb City Locker Room Talk podcast. I am Joseph King. Jared Scott. Aaron Pena. James Fairchild. See you later. <laughs>